Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today we have with us husband of one and a father of seven. He's also the host of the widely popular Facebook live group, Rise and Grind. He's been spotlighted on ABC, NBC, CBS, all you know, all the TV networks that have three letters. And he's an <laughs> expert in a dealership culture development and leadership training. So this is something that we never had here before. He has 20 years experience in the automotive industry. He's been, I mean, he took a dealership from 120 cars a month to an 800% growth. Okay, 800% growth. This was done over a five-year term. And it is Glenn Lundy. Glenn is here with us today. How's it going, Glenn? It's going well, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to, um, to do this interview here with us. Yeah, of course. So, Glenn, I mean, I heard that story, and I know it's been in the news that you took this dealership and you grew it in five years, 800%. So if sometimes growing something 800% that is just starting is very easy because 800% of nothing is still nothing. <laughs> right. But you took an existing dealership that had 120 sales per month. Like that, how does one do that? Well, you know, we focused on just, just four key areas. You know, we wanted to scale in volume, um, scale in profitability, scale our employee retention and scale our overall dealership culture. We wanted to create a winning culture where year after year, month after month, we were having success. And so by taking a look at all of the negative things that people hated about the auto industry, both customers and employees, we were able to do a 180 degree turn and do the exact opposite of what everybody hated. Mm. And in doing so, we started to experience growth. And then, of course, we just fueled that growth. And we just kept going and going and going and going and going until we went from uh, 120 cars in January of 2011 to where we sold 1,043 cars in uh, March of 2018 and lots of lots of big months in between. So pretty incredible. Man, that's – what is that? A three and a half cars – Per day average, isn't it? Uh, so when we, yeah, when we sold a thousand cars, it's yeah. like thirty-four cars per day, something like that on average. Yeah, incredible. So this Which we're only open twelve hours, so I used to break it down. It's like three cars an hour every hour for <laughs> a straight thirty days. I mean, that's incredible. This had to be <laughs> in a major city. Was it a one of the major U.S. cities? Uh, we were actually in Paris, Kentucky, with the population of 9,600 people. <laughs> no way. One of the smallest little cities in the country. So you had to see the same people come in for more than one car, or I guess neighborhoods. Yeah, we just, well, we just figured out that, you know, back in the day, the car business used to be everybody within a couple miles of your dealership. But nowadays, everybody's market is everybody. The internet has opened it up to where I can sell to California. I can sell to Atlanta. I can sell to New York. You know, people do it every single day. They buy and sell products from all over the world. 
And so instead of just attacking our tiny little market and focusing on, well, we can only sell so many because our market only has 9,600 people. Instead, we were like, we have the best experience. We have the best product. Therefore, we're going to share that product with everyone across the country and people will drive for miles and miles and miles to come do business with us. So, so that was kind of our focus and that's what ended up happening. You know, our average customer drove over an hour to get to the, you know, to get to the dealership, then another hour to get home and we shipped cars all over the United States. Okay. Now I, I kind of get it because I started imagining if I would do that and I just realized I... I, one of the cars I bought, it was 500 kilometers away, which is, I think, 350 miles probably. Uh, and I went to that dealership because I saw online, I saw what I wanted. Right. So I did do that. So it's it's true. People will do, in my case, is it was four-hour drive each way, uh, four and a half. Yeah, um, people will do it, man, for the right deal, the right experience, if you've got the right reviews online, those types of things. Uh, tell the right story and, and, and people will come. All right. So what kind of, uh, what make, what make of dealership was this? A Chevy Buick store. Okay. But you don't right now, you don't just work with Chevy, right? You, you are more of a businessman than the, the one that just loves one brand, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So since I left um, Dan Cummins, Chevrolet and Buick, now the dealerships that are in my group range everything from, you know, Subaru dealerships, Volvo dealerships, Chevy dealerships. Uh, we even have some dealerships that aren't, um, they don't have like a franchise attached to them. They're just okay. a used car. So, so we have two independent dealerships, both in Louisiana. So across the board, yeah, just a wide variety of leaders in the automotive industry that I work with all the way across the country. Okay, got it. So uh, actually where I come from, uh, I li- not where I come from, but I lived in Europe for 20 years and in Portugal, nice. like the European country where I lived, the some of the biggest car lots you can see are the used car lots. There's mm. new dealerships that don't have that kind of volume. Sure. So, so I'm guessing that is kind of some that you do help with because that is what you do now. You go all over the country and you help dealerships gain basically what you did to um, Dan Cummings, correct? Yeah, sort of. So my, my, the business, we, the way we set up the business, we do pretty much everything virtual and we have even before COVID starting back in November. So I work with the owners and the general managers. Basically I work with the leaders of the organizations and it's my job to help the owners extract greatness out of those people. And we do that with weekly coaching calls, weekly trainings. Every once in a while we'll bring in some outside influences to speak to the team, so on and so forth. All right. So, um, at, in the intro, I told everybody that you are a father of seven. Yes. So, uh, what are the difference in ages? So I have a 21-year-old, and then there's a big gap, and then I have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old and a 6-year-old and a 4-year-old and a 3-year-old and an 18-month-old, and my wife is pregnant right now with the number eight. Wow, Glenn! So congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, man, it, it's—I know because I'm a father of three. I know it's—it's it's super incredible. Uh, there are parts that I didn't like, you know, the the sleepless nights. 
I, sure. I still remember them because two of mine were born at the same time. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I have twins. Twins. Yeah, nice. And, man, those were very, there was a long time where there was many sleepless nights because if one wakes up, he will go and wake yeah. up the other one. Yeah, and then sure. the other one will wake up the other one. It's, it, <laughs> so, yeah, bouncing um, off each other. Tell me, how does that help you or how does it influence uh, your your business that do you because you have to spend some time away from home away from them sure um do you do you end up getting used to it or you still are dying to get home every time no man i'm i, I love and i'm very passionate about both my family and my career uh, my mm -hmm. wife is an amazing human and she uh homeschools all of our children she she has for the last three or four years something like that so she homeschools the children so what we do is you know my wife's got her lane she takes care of the house she does all of those things and then i kind of have my lane as far as the business and we come together through our marriage and through our our children and so i don't like I believe that the season that we're in right now, mm -hmm. some people some people will say, you know, well, you have to sacrifice time with your kids, and I don't I don't believe that. What I believe is that sacrifice is not the word. I believe that we are investing in our children's future, right? So by putting in the work and by traveling, by working with the dealerships, mm -hmm. building my own business, by doing all of those things. That is an investment. I am exchanging my time as in order to invest in my children's future. Now, we try to make, um, when I'm home, obviously I try to spend you know as much time with them as I can. Uh, I have a goal this year. The last 20 years when I was actually in retail automotive, I never had breakfast with my kids and I would have dinner with my kids You know, maybe once a week, once or twice a week because I was always working crazy hours. So now I have a goal of having breakfast and dinner with my kids 250 times in 2020. Mm. So that leaves me 115 days to be able to travel, to be able to be gone, so on and so forth. And so really it's just a matter of, of making sure that you get the quality time, making sure you dedicate and commit some time, but also don't feel guilty when you're working, as long as it's an investment in your family's future. Now, if you're just out there being lazy and you're working, you're working, I'm working late, I'm going to work early or any of that crap, but you're not actually putting in a hundred and freaking 10% every minute that you're there, then yeah, you're sacrificing time with your kids. But when you're investing, going freaking balls to the wall, pedal to the metal, giving it all you got, that's an investment in your children's future. I really like that. I like that. I like that, Glenn, because I tend to to work long hours. I do it from home, so they are kind of their next door. Sure. Um, but I I do kind of you know separate myself because I have to do my my own work, and um, sometimes I feel guilty about it. But then right. I start thinking about it because I'm not just pretending to work. I'm actually doing stuff, and it is for them because I want you know the the faster we can grow the faster we can do, you know, have the, the freedom to, to go in, yeah. on, you know, picnics. And uh, that's what my kids like picnics and camping. Right. And the, the, the babies that, I mean, they're, they're going to be three. I still call them babies. because They are babies. <laughs> they are babies right? 
Um, yeah. And, you know, um, a lot of people think like a big mistake that people make is they're like trying to create these big, massive, you know, crazy over the top moments with their kids. Right. They're like, we're going to, we got to go on a cruise for a week or we have to do this. And then they never really get to it or they're, they're working so hard, you know, towards chasing this big goal. When in reality, dude, your kids don't need much, dude. Mm -hmm. Like sit, I I dare you, your kids are three. So I would challenge you to take the two kids, put your phone to the side, tell your wife to leave you alone, take the two, three-year-olds, sit down on the floor with them in a circle and say, what are your kids' names? Caden and Hope. And so I, have, say, I have a, a third one, uh, that, but she's six. That's Carly. Okay, so take all three of them. It's, it's Caden and Hope. And what, who's the third one? Carly. Carly. Caden, Hope, and Carly. What do you guys want to do? And they're going to say, well, we want to play a board game, or we want you to do this, or we want to play a video game, or whatever. And you're like, okay, let's do that. And do that with them, and I promise you, 12 minutes later, one of them will be running over here going for mama. Another one's going to want to do something else. The six-year-olds, you know, 10 minutes is all these kids need. And they, but, but we don't, we just keep saying, we'll do it later. We try to make some big trip or whatever, man. Just take 10 minutes, sit down. What do you guys want to do? And by the time you give them that much attention, they're already on to the next thing. They just want to feel like you love them and that you care enough to sit down on the floor with them for freaking 10 minutes you know, that's, that's really all they want at that age. Now, when they get older, teenagers, young adulthood, it's different. But when they're little kids, man, that's the time to grind, dude. Put in the freaking work, invest in the future. So when they are teenagers, you can give them opportunities like good schools or good, you know, educational programs for entrepreneurship or a business that they can step into, you know, things like that. That's so true. I know, I know, I know for a fact that is true because the the big trips sometimes you want to do them because you think that's that's what's gonna do it. Right, and right. I know my kids they love building Lego blocks, you know, the, yep. the big blocks and building towers and then playing with Play-Doh. And I do sometimes go there and I feel great too because I can build things out of Play-Doh that to me they look like nothing. But I if I tell them it's a fish, they believe it. And that's they think right. I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. That's awesome. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so easy. They, they will be pleased with just something like that. That's it, man. You do that, you know, you do 10 minutes a day every day. And wow, what a, what a relationship you can build over time, you know? Absolutely. So, Glenn, tell me something. Um, life hasn't always been easy, right? There, it can't, it's not always winning. We know it's, life is made, made of ups and downs. Did you have any, any of those? Well, you know, every, I believe that all human beings' lives go through four seasons. And, and as we go through those seasons, it just cycles. It just, it just keeps on going to the next and to the next and to the next. And sometimes they're, you know, seasons are worse and sometimes they're a little bit better. It's just like four seasons in real life, spring, summer, uh, fall, winter, you know, sometimes you have a really bad winter. Other times it's not that bad of a winter. And so as humans, what I've seen, because I do have so many kids and this is how I kind of realized it. What I've seen is that we go through four seasons. So we go through seasons of change where, you know, if you picture like a kid, right, your baby is just laying there and it's like, 
All the baby does is lay there and poop and pee and goo goo gaga. That's it. And it's totally content, just laying on its back, can't lift its head, can't do nothing, right? And then what happens is all of a sudden something changes up here. And that baby says, wait a minute, I want to move. Like, I don't, I don't want to be counting on this dude to come pick me up all the time or this, or, you know? And so something changes up here. And then you see these children, these babies, they start to like stick their arms out, push their arms out. They try, they start trying to lift their neck up off the bed. They start trying to roll over. And what they're doing is as they're going through the struggle, right? First, there's a change followed by struggle. As they go through that struggle, their muscles, their coordination, all of that stuff starts to get stronger, right? It starts to grow. And as the muscles grow and the coordination grows, then all of a sudden they roll over and we're like, yay, baby rolled over. Mm. And then it happens again, right? There's a change. They say, okay, well, now I'm not okay with just rolling over. I want to crawl. Then they go through this process of struggling with their muscles, which ultimately leads to the growth of the muscles, which leads to success. They crawl. Then they go through it again and they walk. And we go through it again as we go, you know, as we grow up. And so change, struggle, grow, succeed. That's the process of, of my life, your life, and everybody's life, and will continue to be for the rest of forever. As things change, we can always count on them being followed by struggle. Know that that struggle that a lot of people run from is where your growth comes from. Mm -hmm. The growth is what leads to success. There is no success without growth. So for me in my life, I had many, many, many times where, you know, I was going through a season of change and, and didn't really know who I was or my identity. And so I, I tended to make some, some bad decisions with that in my early years, you know, chasing the girls, the drinking, the drugs, all of those things. And those changes in my life led to major struggles, man. I've been homeless. I've been in jail 17 different times. Um, I've been suicidal, massively depressed. All of those things in my, you know, from 20 to 30 was, was crazy, man. Like, and, and it was just this, I would make a change and then I would struggle. And I, my struggles were really hard and really real. Um, but through that, you know, I've, I've been able to grow into the man that I am today and to have the opportunities that I now have with my family, with my business, with my platform speaking and sharing my message with the world. It all came from those struggles. So now I'm experiencing some seasons of success on the backside, but I'm prepared for the next change, the next struggle. You know what I'm saying? So that's just that's that's how that's kind of how it goes. That's the way I look at the world. And um, you know, right now things are not easy. They're still really, 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 really hard. Uh, it's just a, a season of success until the next big thing comes at us, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. And I agree that without the struggle there, you don't develop that the muscle, right? It's not really always the physical muscle, the brain muscle or the, That's right. the you require for success. So uh, some some people that went through, it's easy also when you go through some of the hard points, a lot of people that are a little bit weaker can give up. Right? Yeah. And because they don't know that, uh, I, I often tell people that this, the, the failure is, is always required because it's not like uh, success is in one direction and failure is in the other one. They're both in the same direction. You just That's have to right. ask 
through the failure to get there. And people who right. think that success is an opposite direction, they, when they get to the failure, they may start to walk back. Sure. And, and they get further away from where they actually want it to be. So, yes, if, I mean, if you're going through any rough times, just know that don't give up. There will, everything gets better. You know? No doubt. Glenn, I, um, th- there's one thing that I, I don't know the full story that I remember many, many years ago, like a century ago, where before there was cars that you would right. be able to sell, and people <laughs> would ride around in horses and chariots. Sure. And, and there were cities, there were U.S. cities that were so overpopulated that there was so much horse poo that that was the, the issue it was so big that they thought they wouldn't be able to ever control it. Right. And then with the invention of cars, that kind of fixed itself. Right. And that was one of the solutions that there was no solution at the time. They couldn't figure it out. And with time, most things ended up solving themselves. Sure. And just knowing that is, is going to help a lot of people out there. I agree. 1000%. And you know, you mentioned winters that, that is, um, that's a good ana- analogy because um, my winters here are eight months long. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, Man. Yeah, I'm in Alberta, Canada. So eight oh, months of winter. That's it. And then it goes from winter to it starts to warm up and then we go into summer. And it's actually really beautiful in here. And, and nice. Summer. So nice. those, you know, those two weeks, two or sorry. Those, those, those two, uh, maybe two months of summer that we get here yeah. are, are worth it. So that's why people stay so long. <laughs> right. Nice. So tell me, what are, what are some of the big le- biggest lessons that you learned? Um, you know, so I've, I've, I've learned, um, you know, quite, quite a few things. One of the biggest things that I've learned in life is that, uh, you know, we're most comfortable in life, like right before death mm. is, is, is one thing that I realized, you know, there was a, my, my grandfather, um, Alfred Smith, my grandfather passed away. Uh, he died from, um, you know, uh, cancer and they, my grandfather was a military man. He was an honorable man. He was, uh, he married to my grandmother for 49 years. She never had a driver's license. She never had a job. She never needed any of that. Grandpa took care of everything. Uh, and he was just a good old American, you know, boy. And I never, I never saw him not wearing a shirt and tie ever, ever Saturday, shirt and tie Sunday, shirt and tie Monday through Friday, shirt and tie. The man always wore a shirt and tie. And I got a phone call saying that he was, he didn't, he only had, you know, moments left to live. We all needed to get to the hospital. I was in Kentucky. Other members of my family were around the country. So it took everybody a while to get there. And my grandfather, even though they told him he had minutes left to live, he held on until the very last family member showed up, my Aunt Julie. And when she showed up, we were all surrounding his bed, like in a semicircle. And here's this man in this bed, and I don't even recognize him. He's got the gowns and the tubes and his eyes are sunken in and he doesn't look like the grandpa I know this like, you know, a good old American, amazing, full of life human. He just doesn't even look like him completely different. And so we're sitting there around the bed and all of a sudden my grandfather says, 
uh, you know, I, I told you my grandfather was in the military, so he, he likes dirty jokes. Yeah. And so here he is laying there on the bed. And he says to my stepdad, come tell me my favorite dirty joke. And so my stepdad goes over there and my stepdad's name is Everett. And so my, my grandpa, his name is Al. He says, he says, Everett, tell me my favorite dirty joke. And my stepdad leans over and he says, what do you call Moby Dick's father? And my grandpa kind of cracks a little bit of a smile and he says, I don't know, Everett, what? And my stepdad says, Papa Boner. (laughs) (laughs) And we all laugh and the tears come out of our eyes. And then my grandpa says, bring me my wife. And my grandmother, all four foot, 10 of her, she's this tiny little woman. She goes and she climbs into bed with my grandfather and he wraps his arms around her and he passes away. Wow. In that very moment. And that experience, Quinn, it taught me that we're most comfortable. Well, it taught me two things. The, the, the one thing that it taught me is that we are spiritual beings. Like you can't argue with me. Science cannot explain to me how my grandfather who had moments left to live was able to hold on until the very last family member came. Hmm. He was able to, to get told his favorite joke right before he passed away and wrap his arms around his wife of 49 years. Science can't explain that to me. We are spiritual beings. We are connected. We are not just flesh and bone. So that was the one thing. But the second thing I learned is we're most comfortable in life right before death. Because there was a moment when, when my stepdad was telling the favorite joke and my grandmother was coming over, there was this brief moment where my grandfather, like, the light had come back on in his eyes. His skin had filled back in. The pain had gone away. Like he looked like the grandpa that I knew, this American, amazing, superhuman. Like he looked like that guy. And it was just a brief moment, Quinn. It was not that long. It was just a moment. But for a moment, he was comfortable right before he passed away. And so I've never forgotten that. And I remind myself, anytime I start to get comfortable, I ask myself a question. I say, hey, are you ready to die yet? And if the answer is no, then I go out and I challenge myself to continue to seek uncomfortable situations, continue to go to the next level, continue to try to learn to stretch the boundaries of your imagination and what's possible in your life. Because I don't know about you, bro, but I'm not ready to die yet. I'm not. So for those that are always out there seeking comfort, I challenge you, I challenge you, stop trying to live a comfortable life. Instead, go out there and live a challenged one. Beautiful, Glenn. I mean, the story, the story itself is beautiful. And I mean, being there must have been like mm-hmm. one of those experiences, you know, people often talk about, I had an experience that's life changing. So that's, that's one of them. Yeah, man. And looking for to be uncomfortable, there's a lot of people who don't understand this, Glenn. It's it's being uncomfortable while you're growing and doing things that obviously you're not comfortable with. But there's a lot of people that think being uncomfortable is doing things that others don't agree with because too many people focus on other people's opinions or what they're going to think of you. And that's one of the things that, you you have to put aside is what people think of you 
or what you think. That's even worse. What you think they, that other people think. Yeah, that is worse. <laughs> often, often you you are we are always our worst. Our worst. We're very judgmental of ourselves. Yeah, no doubt. We can put thoughts in our mind of what others are thinking about us, and it may not be true. So mm-hmm. if if you can control that, and then find being comfortable with the other growth, the one that's actually making you growing, that's what Glenn is talking about here, guys. That's it. Right? It's not what people, what you think people think. Right? That's right. That's right. It's about you know just pushing yourself to that point of the struggle. You know, the the struggle is where is where all the growth happens. So, you know, if you're the smartest fish in the, uh, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Simple, simple, simple as that. You know. Yeah, I like, I like that. that. Always surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. So, Glenn, do you you did that. I know you you studied um, you studied successful people to see kind of. What what their lessons were, right? What made them sure. successful? Is that what you do in the Rise and Grind? Yeah. So my Rise and Grind show uh, that's a daily morning show, Monday through Friday, five thirty a.m. And then I also have a group on Facebook, hashtag Rise and Grind. A little over thirty thousand members in the group. And so the premise of hashtag Rise and Grind is simple. It's that we well, you've got as far as the group and the structure and the show. It's motivation, education, and inspiration. That's all you'll ever find in the group. That's all, all you'll ever hear on the show. Motivation, education, inspiration. But really, the mission and the message that we're trying to get across is that if we can change the way you start your day, it'll make a massive impact in your life. Just a simple change of changing the way that you start your day. And so we believe, and I believe, that if I can help teach people to rise every single day with intention and purpose, then they will ultimately evolve into the absolute best version of themselves that they can possibly be. And when they become the best version of themselves they can possibly be, they now have the ability to make an impact on their friends, on their family members, on their communities. Globally, they can change the world. And the best part about it is, It's something that we can do together, right? All of us growing, leveling up, teaching each other, expanding, impacting. It's something that we can do together. So our four core values are rise, evolve, impact together. And that's what what hashtag rise and grind is, a body of 30,000 people that we come together. We do things in the community. We do things online. We raise money for different things, organizations and whatnot. And then also we're just a place of motivation, education, and inspiration. Do you have a morning routine yourself? I do. So I have five simple steps and I wrote a short book on this. Um, you can get it for free at the morning and then the number five.com. You can get it. It's a short read, take you maybe an hour to read the whole thing. Um, there's an audible version of it as well. Um, but it's five five simple steps, and, and my book breaks them down. So step one is never hit the snooze button. Never, 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 never. I saw your eyes kind of look over. Oh, <laughs> never hit the snooze button. That's one. Number two is don't touch your phone first thing in the morning. I do oh, that. Oh, I saw your eyes go no, over. No. And oh, I do no. that one. I don't touch okay, it. Good. Good. 
Yeah, not in the first hour. Yes, that's very, very, very smart. There's too much bad stuff in there. Yeah. So no snooze. Don't touch your phone. Number three is gratitude and goals, which to a lot of people, that sounds like two different things, like writing down the things you're thankful for, writing down your goals. But really, it's one. Um, the reason I believe that is everybody hears, you know, you need to write down your goals. And I think it is powerful and important to write down your goals. However, I feel like you have to, you not, I feel like, however, if you write your goals from a place of lack, they are not as powerful energy wise as if you write your goals from a place of abundance and a place of appreciation. So it's really important that you write down all of the things that you're thankful for prior to all of your goals, aspirations, and desires. It just adds fuel. So you're saying, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm thankful for all that I have, but I'm still going to reach for more. Versus when, when you go straight into goals from lack, you're like, everything I have sucks. I hate my house. I hate my life. I hate my job. And now I'm going to reach for more. The energy is completely different. So step three is gratitude and then goals. Step four is take care of the physical, some type of physical exercise, whether you work out, whether you walk, whether you play a sport, whatever it is, just take care of yourself physically. And then number five is the most powerful one of the entire, the, the entire system. So basically what you've done in the first four steps is you've spent the entire morning being selfish in a positive way. You've been taking care of your own, your, yourself, your own gratitude, your own goals. You're taking care of yourself physically. You're not touching your phone. You're not allowing anyone else into your world. You're really being selfish in the morning, but it's a positive selfish. So now that your energy is vibrating at such an incredible frequency, you now have a responsibility to do step five, which is to send out an encouraging message to someone else to make an impact in someone else's life, to lift them up. And it's just it's really just as easy as grabbing your phone and sending out a text. Hey, John, really appreciate our conversation we had the other night. It really meant a lot to me, man. I'm really glad that you're my friend. Hey, Quinn, I really appreciate you having me on your podcast yesterday. It was an incredible opportunity. I appreciate you listening to my voice. Hey, honey, I just want you to know we've been together for years and I love you more today than I've ever loved you before. Hey, coworker, hey, person on Facebook, I know you've been dealing with whatever, and I just want to encourage you. You're an amazing human. Thank you, right? S send out an encouraging message when you're vibrating at this massive frequency. Dude, it shreds through obstacles. It breaks down walls. It, it dives deeply into people's hearts and minds, and it always comes back tenfold, always, every single time. So step five are one, no snooze, two, stay off your phone, three, gratitude goals, four, take care of the physical, five, send out an encouraging message. You do those five simple steps every single day, and it'll lead you to an extraordinary life, I assure you. And Glenn, that's fantastic. Man, you, uh, <laughs> I, I can see you're an expert at this. So I wrote them down. I'm here taking notes as if I'm listening to somebody else's podcast. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> So I wrote them down. I also got the site, the morning five. I'm going to put that on the show notes Thank and you. for people to want to hear more about you. And I'm sure that they would, because this is incredible. And oh, well, thank you. just by doing these five steps, I know people's lives will change if you do do them because That's right. I don't do all of them. I do snooze my, my, uh, my alarm and it actually infuriates me 
that I do it. Mm, I bet. Because every day, if I set it for a certain time, it means I want to be up at that time. And I'm not obeying myself. And that's so frustrating. Yeah. The others I do. Like the first hour, I know how powerful that is. Do not touch your phone. Because everybody's emergencies are going to be there waiting for no you. Doubt. No doubt. Emails. And then, you know, the, the terrible social media posts that are, are going to be notifications. So I, I do that one too. I'm very grateful for everything, but I don't write it down. So uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to start writing it down. Good. Do more physical exercise. And then the fifth one, like you said, when you're vibrating with all the positive things in you, now sharing that with somebody else, not only it's going to make them feel great, but guess what? What it does is that's why a lot of people love you, Glenn, because you make them feel good. Hey, thank you. People always <laughs> remember how you make them feel. That's that a fact. It's so powerful. Yeah, man. Super, super strong. And Quinn, I want to challenge you, man. The uh, the snooze button, there's there's components to that, right? Like it's infuriating. What infuri infuri yeah, I can't say it right now. But um, it's frustrating, right? And um, that's part of it. But there's also some biological things that are going on in your body when you're when you're when your body is prepared to wake up. Uh, it knows when the alarm is set. It's used to your patterns. And so when you hit the snooze button, you're sending yourself into another sleep cycle. So it's really the biggest liar on the planet, right? You think if I snooze for 10 more minutes, I'll get 10 more minutes of sleep. But really what happens is you send yourself into another sleep cycle. Most sleep cycles take two to three hours to complete. So you're going to feel groggy for the next hour and a half two two and a half hours because of that extra 10 minutes of sleep. Whereas if you just get up when the alarm goes off, get up, you'll feel groggy for about four or five minutes and then you're good because your body was prepared to wake up at that time. So I challenge you to really attack that. And also I want to let you know, Harvard did a study and biologically speaking, if you do an action 67 days straight on day 67, it'll be easier to do it than to not do it on day 66. It's harder to do it than to not do it. So that's why a lot of people fall off is they'll try something for 30 days or they'll try something for 40, 40 days. And then, you know, after five, six weeks of working out, they fall off or whatever. It's mm -hmm. because biologically it takes 67 days for that to be ingrained, to become easier to do than to not do. So on the morning5.com, it talks about it. We challenge people, do these five simple steps for 67 straight days, and then it'll be easier to do it than to not do it. And it changes your whole world. Thanks. Thanks for that, Glenn. I'm, I'm going to definitely try it. And because it makes sense, because there are some days, and they're rare, that I have to wake up uh, even before the alarm goes off. Sure. Right? And I feel more energetic right there. That's right. When I take the snooze, there is the next hour or so that, you, you know, you don't even want to talk to people. You just want to talk <laughs> and, and alone. So that makes perfect sense. And there was another thing about the 67 days. There's a lot of people, and many of you are probably listening right now, that you heard that it takes 21 days to create a habit. Mm. That study was done almost a century ago when humans right. change. We don't have the same attention span anymore. There's people that say that humans have an attention, attention span smaller than a goldfish. Right. And it, it is true. Uh, even me personally, I know I was able to focus on things for long periods of time before. And now 
it's so easy to get there's always yeah, a shiny object. No doubt. And it's like, you know, oh, something new. Yeah. So, you don't even realize it. Yeah, humans have changed and it does take 67 maybe for some people it takes longer i don't know but uh <laughs> it takes a, it takes a while you know and that's really what you need is you need a biological change it's 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 got to it's got to change on a cellular level when things change on a cellular level then it's easier for you to continue that new pattern perfect so glenn i have the morning five for the show notes where else do you want people to look for you and find you Yeah, if they can go to glennlundy.com on my website, it's got links to Facebook, Instagram, all my socials. It's got links to all the videos that I do, the work that I do with car dealerships. All of that stuff is at glennlundy.com. Sweet. I'll have those on the show notes. And I'm going to check out here on the morning five, um, the book I saw that, does, does it have an audio version? I saw that some. It does. Uh-huh. that's beautiful <laughs> okay i want the audio one because yeah, yeah yeah i lose my focus when i'm reading on you know small letters i lose my focus even i do too man i do too so i i, I very much like an audible i'll listen to an audible and then if i love the book i'll go ahead and, and get it on paper and i'll reread it yeah. as i'm listening to the like not at the same time but i might have the audible in my car and the book in my hand but that's the only way i can't just sit and read a book like you know for long periods of time anymore it doesn't work that's so funny because i do that i buy the <laughs> audible to listen and sometimes yep. i buy the book just to have on the shelf brand new i never opened it. <laughs> yeah i feel you on that too <laughs> well i'm guessing a lot of people that hear podcasts have that feeling too that yeah sure it's so sure. much easier <laughs> Glenn, thank you so much. We have to stay in touch, and uh, I'm yeah, going to download please. the book right now. <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. All right, my man. Take care.